said, there's no notes on the screen tonight. You're going to have to listen when to fill in a blank. And I'm going to see if you pay attention better tonight with me saying that than what you do by having all the words up on the screen. I'm just going to quit giving you all the words on the screen. And so I'm just teasing. But we'll, 1 Peter chapter number 1. We'll get a few verses there tonight and dive right in. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab one of the outlines for myself so I make sure that I give you all the blanks that we need to. So, because I don't put, these are not the same as my notes. I don't put everything there. I simplify them a little bit. And uh, so, all right, I got that. We're good. First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1. I think you can see right away who the writer of the book is, right? It's the Apostle Peter. There's your first blank, the writer. It's the Apostle Peter. It says in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season... If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Read those verses tonight. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll dive in and get to the lesson tonight. Father, I pray that you bless the time that we have tonight. Thank you for this book, and I pray that you would apply it to our lives and to our hearts. And as we look here tonight, minister and work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Think about Peter. He was called by the Lord. He denied the Lord three times. He preached on the day of Pentecost. He was he did a lot for the Lord. Had failures in his life as well. When you look at the book here, Peter, you got to remember Paul evangelized the Gentiles, right? I got the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter more focused on the Jews. And so when we look at the book of First Peter tonight, this book was written for all Christians to be a help to them. If we were to look at the key verse of the passage of this book that I would say, and as I said, some people would say it differently than I would, I look at chapter number 2, verse number 11 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, 
Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so what is that verse, what are those verses talking about? And we'll look at tonight as we look through this book, the, as you see the key verses there, first Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and then the key word would be suffering throughout the book. Suffering is mentioned, the word suffer, suffering, words related to that of Christians in time of great trial are mentioned 16 times in five short chapters in this book. It's all about suffering. And those key verses that we read just a minute ago tells us that in the midst of what's going on, we need to live right. That God gets praised by how we live. And so when we look at this passage and we look at the beginning, we go back to chapter number 1 and we see Peter says it here, verse number 6, wherein ye greatly rejoiced, Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold. Look at the, the trial of your faith. What comes into your life is more precious than gold. Gold's pretty precious. Gold's worth a lot. Peter says that what we go through, the trials of our faith, are more precious than gold. Think about that one for a minute. It says, The perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What Peter tries to accomplish in this short book is, yes, there's going to be times of suffering. Yes, there's going to be hard times in the Christian life. But how you respond to those hard times means quite a bit. People are going to look at you in your Christian life and say, well, this person's a Christian. Let's see how they handle the trial that they're going through. And all things as they happen and the suffering that takes place should bring honor and glory to the Lord. That's what these verses make clear. So I want to take a little bit of time tonight. I want to talk about suffering. We don't like to talk about suffering. It's not one of our favorite subjects. There are a lot of subjects we like to talk about more than the area of suffering. And for some reason in Christianity today, we are very comfortable with our Christianity. We don't like to suffer, and we, for some reason, get this idea that we shouldn't have to suffer. Show me that in the Bible. You know, we look at the church today, Man, I read an article today that just ticked me off. Andy Stanley wrote it. What a joke. He should resign his church and never pastor a church again in his life. He's, he's a sorry excuse of a pastor, and I said it. He, he said how sorry he is for churches that would open up during the pandemic. That that's not showing the love of Christ, and we should have stayed closed and learned new ways of doing things. I think he just needs to retire and just, end, and just stop. Rick Warren said similar things. And we get this idea in Christianity today that everything should just be easy and a piece of cake. 
And yet, look at all the suffering the early Christians went through. They were persecuted. Do you know someday that's going to happen again? And I don't count being fined being persecuted, okay? I get fines are a bad thing, and, and that's a form of persecution. But these people in the Bible gave their very lives for the gospel. <laughs> and we have people who wouldn't even hold a church service because they would get fined. There's a big issue there. We're very soft and weak today. We, I, don't know if any, and I'm, I don't know if any of us could handle being New Testament Christians when the church first started getting going. I don't know if I could have handled it. We're very comfortable today. We don't, and you've got to realize something, the closer we get to the Lord returning, suffering's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to get to the point, and you just, just look around us. There are things happening today that I never would have thought in a million years would be taking place today. Do you know there's a bill in California in the legislature up there that if you are a Bible-believing police officer, that they don't want you on the force anymore? It's up there. It's there right now. You know, before long, the things that I preach, they're going to be labeled as hate speech. It's going to happen. In Canada, you've got to be very careful already of what you say. Because if you say certain things that the Bible talks about, you're labeled a bigot and it's hatred. You just look the other day, another shooting happened. And, and you say, where do you stand on all of that? I get there are some people that should not have guns in their hands. But also, it's, it's just an amazing thing. It becomes political the second something happens. Um... Look at the background of the guy and hear what he had to say. Judge that before you go too deep about taking, disarming the country. But the people want to do that. And you say, are you, I, I'm for the Second Amendment. I am. I'm also for people that should not have guns, shouldn't have them either. I'm, I'm for that too. There are certain people that I, that, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with a few things, but I think they need to just back off. But you look, our world's headed in a very crazy place. And it's just getting worse every day. It's going to get worse as Christians. Say, Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging to me tonight. If they could live for the Lord back in Bible days, so can we. If Jesus could suffer like he did for us, then we can suffer for him as well. The worst thing that happens to us today is what? People mock us a little bit. A church might get fined here or there. I know in Canada there's a pastor this last week that was thrown in jail for having service during with, with COVID. He just got out, I believe. But suffering is a part of life. Suffering's going to happen. And I want you to understand you need to be strong enough to stay strong enough in the Lord to make it through those times. Each one of us is going to have it in our lives. We see several things in this passage of Scripture. And it's kind of like I suck the air out of the room tonight. Don't relax, relax. It's still a great day to serve God. And you can have joy in the midst of suffering and things can be all right. And maybe right now you're going through a very trying time in your life. 
The Lord's there. He's with you. He's going to get you through. We see, we see number one tonight as we dive in. We see that there are seasons of suffering. Letter A. There are seasons of suffering. Saw that in verse number six. It says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. Life is not all suffering. Life is not all bad. But there are seasons of it. Just like you look the weather. There, I know here in California we don't have that many seasons. I've lived in other places, and there's actually a real thing of fall and spring. And there, real, if you want to do something, something that you might like to do, I've gone to, uh, I've been hiking some in uh, Chino Hill State Park, 10 minutes away. There's a lot of beautiful flowers out right now. It actually looks like spring over there. But do you know what made it look so beautiful over there? A fire cleared everything out. Isn't that kind of interesting when you stop to think? The fire made things better. Isn't that what God does in our lives? You could just, I could park there for a while, but I'm not going to tonight. Bible talks about how weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For the Christian, you've got to understand, suffering will come, suffering will be a part of life, but it's not unending. We face seasons of heartache, seasons of difficulty. And in those seasons, we've got to keep our eyes on Christ. Stay in His Word. Seek godly counsel. Remember it was in the book of Hebrews, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. And when you're going through it, when you're having, going through that suffering time, going through that season, it is so vitally important that you just keep your eyes on the Lord. I've never been big on heights. How many of you like heights? Anybody like? Who doesn't care? I mean, we even, when we, during spring break, when we got away, the hotel we were staying at, 30, 30 floors high. I'm like, no, 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 I don't do that. Say, why? I just don't do that. That's just not me. I like being lower, closer to the ground. Hiking, I don't do too bad with heights. I don't know what it is about hiking. I can do all right with that, but I don't like I just don't like high things. A few times I've been up on, I don't know, maybe it's certain places, I don't know what it is. But I remember there was this one time we were at um, junior camp, and I'm in fifth grade. We had gone on a hike, and we went to this waterfall, and we had a great time. But that, that summer, that winter, it had rained quite a bit. There was a lot of snow. And so as we were going back on this hike, you had to cross the little creek. And uh, as you cross the creek there, the water was really rushing this time of year. And so they just told you to be extra careful. You had adults everywhere. And you had to cross at this spot. Well, one of my friends got his foot caught and fell backwards. And the water's just getting him. And, it's, and we're all, and he's panicking. And one of the adults was there. And the adult's like, just keep your eyes, keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me, keep looking at me, keep looking at me. They got his foot out. Everything was okay. That's what I picture in the Christian life. We panic. No, just keep your eyes on me. Just keep looking at me. That's what the Lord tells us. 
Look to him. Keep your eyes on him. Hard times are going to come. There's going to be difficult days. Suffering's going to come. Keep your eyes on Christ. Stay in his word. Seek godly counsel. Here's some, a couple other things. When you're going through it, do not make major decisions in your life. One of the big problems we make as Christians, we're going through a hard time and we change everything. Don't be so quick to do that. Take your time. Give yourself a little bit of time. Don't panic. Don't make major decisions when your decision maker is broken. You got to think about emotional stress in our lives impacts us deeply. It messes with our thinking. And there are times and seasons that we go through where we just have to focus on him. We need to focus on him all the time. But just keep your eyes on him and wait on him. Secondly, we see the value of suffering. The value of suffering. So we see that suffering's for a season, but we also see the value of suffering. The value of suffering. We saw it there in verse number 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your suffering is worth more than gold. Our suffering. The trial that you're going through. Now, we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. I'm not talking about the stupid thing that you did that got yourself in trouble, okay? Because sometimes we look and we say, oh, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, you were dumb. <laughs> you were, you shouldn't have done what you did. Oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you should have just done things better. Don't blame Jesus and suffering for him when you when it's stupidity on our part. And so, but we think about the value of it. We think about as Job said that he knoweth the way that I take and when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The trials, the suffering that we go through, it purifies us. Just as I mentioned, you go up to the, to the hills there in Chino Hill State Park. They were completely burned away. And yes, these things that are green and these flowers that are blooming, they're wildflowers and things, they're all going to get, they're going to dry out and die, and it's going to be just as ugly as it was before. But for the moment, it's beautiful. Why? Because the fire cleared everything out, and things are growing again. The trials that we go through, the suffering we go through is meant to help us even when we can't see it. There's value in suffering. It's to purify us. It brings praise to Him. We also see, number three, that there's strength in suffering. There's strength in suffering. Verse 13 tells us, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hey, just gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind, get some strength. There's strength in suffering. It's going to help us get where we need to be. You can see that in those verses there. We got to strengthen our minds, submit your life to the Lord, follow Him. And we see the Bible makes it clear here that we need to be as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lust and our ignorance. 
But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And we, gotta, we need to live those lives for the Lord. And you know, a lot of times we talk about Old Testament Christianity and say, the Bible only tells us to be holy in the Old Testament. No, this is New Testament right here. God wants his children to live a separated life. That's God's desire. There should be a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. If someone looks at you and sees your work ethic, the way you live, and everything about you, and they can't tell there's something different about you, there's a problem. Because when he lives inside of you, that should be showing to everybody. People should know. And we see these things and their strength and suffering. Next, let's go to the next one, number four. We see that we're called to suffer. We're called to suffer. We go to chapter number two. Chapter number two. Feels weird not having any notes up on the screen. That's weird for me not having notes up on the screen. We look at chapter number two and go down to verse number 18. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but to the forward. This is thankworthy. If any man if any man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if ye, when ye be buffeted for your fault, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. When we look at these verses here, and we, and, you know, we keep on going, it says, For even here too ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And how many times, and over the next, we'll see next Wednesday night when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross, and you'll see how many people wrongfully accused him. And the Bible says, yet he opened not his mouth. He suffered, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was scourged, all these things. And he suffered, and he took it. You gotta understand and expect suffering as a Christian. You might get mocked on Facebook every once in a while for being a Christian, heaven forbid. You may get passed over for a job. You may be laid off because you asked for Sundays off at work. There's a lot of Christianity that preaches this prosperity gospel, but there's no such thing as the prosperity gospel that people like to preach. Because suffering is a part of Christianity. The leader of Christianity, Jesus himself, suffered. And we as Christians are to follow in his steps. We're called to suffer. Next, number five. The right reason for suffering. What's the right reason for suffering? Chapter number three, verse number 14 but, it, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, 
they may be ashamed to falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We think about the right reason for suffering. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Sometimes we suffer because of our own stupidity. Oh, I got arrested last night for drinking while I was driving. That's not God's fault. You weren't suffering as a Christian. You did something you should not be doing. Um, you know, you could don't play the martyr card or the victim card when it's got nothing to do with Christ. I think about Paul, those of you who have done the Bible reading with me. I've got so many different Bible plans going on, I don't even remember who does which ones with me. But when we are going through, this is the group that does the New Testament one right now. We did the book of Acts. Remember Paul was uh, shipwrecked with all these other people? And he was just picking up sticks to start a fire. And a viper came out and fastened to his hand. This is Acts chapter 28. And all the people looked around and said, He must be a very bad man because that viper bit him. He's a bad guy. Five minutes later, he wasn't dead. And he's still walking around like, Well, he must be a god because that viper bit him and he's still walking around. He must be a god. Why did Paul get bitten by a viper? Why was he shipwrecked? Why was he beaten? Because of the gospel. He suffered for a good reason. It wasn't him not being, it wasn't him being stupid. I think that's the best way I can word it. Sometimes we suffer, you know, you're not a martyr if you have no friends because you gossip all the time. It doesn't make you a martyr. Maybe stop gossiping and you'll have more friends. That might be a good way of doing it. You've got to understand something. There will be enough suffering that comes our way. Make sure the suffering is not because of something evil that we do. And that's what the Bible is talking about right here. And then we see number six. We see our example in suffering. Our example in suffering. Look at chapter number 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Reminds me of Philippians. Remember what Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We see it here that you, we have the same mind, that we get our focus, that we get that our minds are focused to be like Christ. Isn't that what a Christian's supposed to be? You've got to remember, Christians didn't give, their se- give themselves the name Christian. People saw them acting like Christ, that were not saved, that didn't know, and they said, those people are acting like Christ and called them Christians. They did not go around proclaiming themselves as Christians. Their actions showed it. Those people are acting like Christ. That's who we're supposed to be imitating. We're supposed to be imitating Christ. 
And yes, poor imitation by all of us. But he's the one we're supposed to be following. He's the one we're supposed to be trying to be like. Let this just be a little thought for you tonight, too. Make sure you don't look, you know, sometimes we'll look around in, in the Christian life, we'll look at other Christians and be like, oh, I'm doing better than them, or I'm in a better spot than them. And all, or you look sometimes, oh, I wish I could be a Christian like this person. People are not the standard for Christianity. Hey, let me help you tonight. I'm not your standard for Christianity. He is. I want to be like him. Sorry, I don't want to be like any of you. And you shouldn't want to be like me. We should all want to be like him. He's the one we follow. He's the one we need to be like. And then we see next, number seven, our response to suffering. Our response to suffering. What's the, what should our response be? Look at chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice! insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Wow. Look at those verses. Did you also see there the time has come that judgment's got to begin at the house of God? That's the place where it needs to begin. We don't need to be looking around to everybody else. We need to look at ourselves. You know, we don't need to, you know, California, I understand California is going to hell in a handbasket. Whoa, I'm doing pretty good on time. That's pretty good. I hadn't looked at my watch the whole time. We still got three minutes. We're going to get done on time tonight. And you kids are doing a great job tonight. It's amazing what you do for five bucks. <laughs> you should be acting that way all the time because Jesus is watching everything that you do. So no money. No, I'm just kidding. I'll give it out. I'm just kidding. I used to have a Sunday school teacher that did things like that, and uh, oh, I could tell you who he was, but I won't do that. I know California is wicked. I know America is. But do you know where the real, where things got to begin getting right? Not in the White House, not in Sacramento. God's house. God's house. And I'm scared that this past year, all the things that have happened, instead of waking Christians up, they woke up for five minutes, and then they went right back to sleep. It begins with us. Peter makes that clear here. And he talks about things, hey, don't, don't suffer as a murderer, as a thief. Do, do things right. 
And when you suffer for doing things right, you can rejoice in it. Man, I think about Paul in, his ho- in that house under house arrest until he was beheaded. And he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He did what God wanted him to do. Peter, the man we're reading about here that wrote these words, was crucified upside down on a cross. He didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified the same way Jesus was, so he wanted to be crucified upside down. It says to rejoice in the suffering. And then lastly, how should we be with those, or the last one is when others are suffering, how should we respond? The last verse of chapter number five. Now, don't go around kissing everybody, but it says, greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you, all that are in, Je- in Christ Jesus. Amen. When others are suffering, let's do our best to bring them some love and peace. Let's not make things worse in their life. A lot of Christians have good intentions, but you got to understand something. Show love. When someone's going through it, show them the love of Christ. Bring calm and peace to their lives. That's the Christian way of doing it. Don't make things worse. Don't add to their frustration. Love one another. Help one another. And bear ye one another's burdens. Father, thank you for...